First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Let's pray. Father God, I give you thanks for the day. Thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and, and to worship you. I, I, I do thank you for just the sweet spirit that we've experienced here this morning. I thank you for our, our, our guest. And uh, Father, I, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would just speak to them today and to each of us, Lord. I know some of us are going through hard times today, difficult trials and situations, and Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, in spite of everything that's going on in our life, allow for this to be a time where we just kind of set aside any distractions and set aside anything that might hinder us from hearing from you. Lord, we know that you're an unseen guest here today, and so Speak to us in a mighty way and allow for us to know that you're present, that you're here, that you're with us. Father, I, I recognize that I have a part in that. And so, Lord, if you would, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is necessary to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus, never admitted that they're a sinner, never believed that Jesus is the Son of God, never confessed Christ as Savior and Lord, I, I pray that today would be the day where they put their faith and trust in Jesus, where they choose to follow him with the rest of their life, to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, if you would see fit for that to happen today we would give you all the honor and all the glory for the believer that's here that may be struggling or maybe going through a hardship or difficulty a time of trial or discernment or uh, even just a time of just exhaustion maybe they're just tired father i pray that you would just lift them up today and allow for them to to see what they need to do to take the next step of faith and obedience and lord help us to be holy as you are holy Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. When I was young, we would go over to uh, uh, an aunt and uncle, and uh, they, uh, were, they would regularly have the family over to their house. And they had a, a great house to, to, to host parties and things of that nature. And, and when it was a special occasion, my, my aunt would bring out the fine china, you know, and she would just, I mean, it wasn't for everyday use. It was just for those special holidays, events, occasions. You know, I, I think it's a generational thing. I'm not sure if young ladies today, if that's a priority in their life is to have fine china, but it seems to be generational. Uh, some of you men, you, you collect old cars and you, you, you work on them, you restore them. And, you know, you don't take the fastback commuting back and forth to work, do you? I mean, you just drive it on, you take it out on Friday nights, date nights, special occasions. Not a regular vehicle that you would just take back and forth to Kansas City every day. Last night we went to a wedding and that bride, just beautiful bride, she walked down that aisle in, in a wedding dress and, you know, I, I don't know about you, but man, I, I've never seen my wife in her, in her wedding dress except for that one night right you just wear it one time it's it's special it's it's unique yeah you don't wear it to work on monday right i mean it's 
In our passage of scripture for today, Peter is telling the church to remain holy in all circumstances. The word holy means to be set apart, to be separated from the ordinary. It's a call to be pure, to be righteous. Friends, I want you to know that from the very beginning of today's sermon, that the only way to become holy, righteous, set apart is through the faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other like, hey, wait till the end, and then you're going to hear the secret. It's only through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It's the only opportunity that you have to be holy and righteous, to be set apart. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, friends. That's it. Okay? Like, so you're going to hear me talk about action and taking action and being responsible but at the, rea- the reality is, like, at the very core of our faith is Jesus Christ. And without him, nothing else really matters, friends. You, if you don't get that right, if you don't put your faith and trust in the right Jesus, then no matter what you do with the rest of your life makes a whole lot of sense. Understand? That's where you say amen. Okay? Jesus is our, our answer. That doesn't mean, though, that you get to sit in your hands and do nothing with your faith. God is the one who makes you holy, but we are called to action. The late, great Kobe Bryant used to say that he wasn't perfect, okay? And uh, he would say, Here's, I, I know perfection's up here, and, I, and I'm down here. He goes, but every day I go to work thinking I'm going to get closer to perfect than I was the day before. And every day I'm going to try to fill that gap as much as I possibly can. Knowing full well, perfection's never possible. But I'm going to try to my very hardest. In today's passage of Scripture, Peter is saying to the church, holiness is through Christ, but don't rest in his holiness, but be holy. Therefore, verse 13 says, with your minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Be ready with your mind. Be alert. The King James Version, many of you read that, and it's a great translation. I I have a copy myself. says, gird up the loins of your mind, which meant, like at that time, they would wear a robe, and they would, they would pull the bottom of that robe through their loin, and they would tuck it into their belt when they would go to work. And so it would just, like, hey, it's a sign they're ready to go. When that robe was pulled through their legs, tucked into their robe, you know that person was ready to get to work. And that's what he's, like, do this with your mind. Like, get, be mentally prepared to go to work. To be holy. As a, I coach wrestling, I, I'm an assistant wrestling coach at Central High School, go Indians, and uh, they, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts as a wrestling coach is like, I, you, you're, you have a, a wrestler that's about ready to, to go into a match, and instead of like being next to the mat, warming up, getting prepared, like they are sitting in the bleachers playing with their phone. Like, what does that tell you? Like, they don't, they're not ready. They're not prepared. They don't, like, and if they don't care about this, then what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, why do I, why do I care about this? Why do I, I mean, 
You look at the best wrestlers, I mean, they, three or four matches before their match, their headgear is on, singlets up. I mean, they are warming up, blood's flowing, they're ready to go. And if you don't, I mean, Paul is saying, hey, get your minds prepared, mentally prepare yourself to be holy here. Be alert. He says here to be sober. He isn't talking about sobriety. He's talking about self-control. Don't allow for the direction of your faith to be dictated by the lack of preparation or the lack of self-discipline, but rather your self-discipline, your self-control, your, your preparation of mind should dictate your actions. If you're mentally prepared, if you're disciplined, when the need for you to be holy presents itself, you'll always be prepared, he says. Always. Again, our hope is found in Jesus Christ alone, but we have a responsibility to be faithful in our actions. What we do with our life is important. Be ready, prepared in all circumstances and situations to be holy. Again, Peter is writing this letter to a group of churches that are, that are facing heavy persecution for their faith. They're going through trials and tribulations. I mean, they're going through hardships and difficulties. And so the opportunity is there. He knows, like, hey, you're going to have situations and trials in your life where you, are, you need to be mentally prepared. You need to be disciplined in your life. You need to be disciplined in your actions so that when those opportunities come, you will be holy, set apart, different. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In these two verses, Peter is saying to his audience, don't revert back to the ways before becoming a Christian. Don't go backwards in your faith. You're no longer ignorant of right and wrong. You know the truth. You have it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You know the difference between, I mean, God directs our steps. He, he leads us beside the still waters. He gives, I mean, like God directs your, I mean, you, you understand right from wrong. What motivated you prior to conversion. The things that motivated you then shouldn't motivate you now. What you desire now shouldn't be what you desired then. A, a non-believer's lifestyle and your lifestyle shouldn't be similar. According to Albert Barnes, a, a theologian, Bible scholar, commentator, he said, prior to conversion, we are all supremely selfish living for personal gratification. We give in to indulgences of passion, restrained only by a respect for the decencies of life and by a reference to our own health, property, or reputation without a regard to the will of God. We are confused. We are conformed to the customs and opinions around us rather than to the requirements of his or our maker. We live for worldly wealth and fame. That's prior to conversion. You ever met a believer that was selfish? Lived for personal gratification? 
lived for worldly wealth, fame, cared about what others think more than what their God in heaven thinks about them. I know I'm not the only one who's been selfish since I was converted. I'm ashamed of sometimes how much I care about what others think of me and how, how much I, I, I concern myself with that rather than being concerned about what my maker thinks of me. Peter is pleading with the church to stop falling back into the lifestyle that God has plucked them from. The call to holiness is a call to faithfulness, to be set apart. It's not a calling to perfection, though, friends. Um, You can be holy, set apart, and not be perfect. God is perfect. God is holy. But does God expect you to be holy the way that he is holy? To be perfect the way that he is? That's impossible, right? Like only God is that way. But yet here we are being called by Peter, being told by Peter to be holy. And the, the expectations are different. If you don't believe me, turn with me into your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. If you have your Bible, if you have your smartphone, just turn there. We're going to be just there for a second, so come back to 1 Peter. Genesis 6, verse 5. When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. What does Paul, Peter say about, you know, prior to conversion? We are desirous for what? Evil. Here there is evil all the time, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Then the Lord said, I will wipe off from the face of creation mankind whom I created, together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and the birds of the sky, for I regretted that I made them. Noah, however, found favor in the sight of God. In verse 9, it reads, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Now, was Noah perfect? Of course not. But what does it say? He was righteous and he was blameless according to his what? Contemporaries. So just, I mean, relatively, he's set apart. He's different. He's not the same as everybody. Like everybody else was, had evil desires. And God saw Noah and said, listen, that guy is different. He's set apart. And that's the same thing that Peter's asking of us. And he's asking of the church, like, hey, be set apart according to your contemporaries. Like, you're not God. You're not Jesus. No one expects you to be perfect. But you can still be holy. You can still be righteous. You can still be blameless in the, in the eyes of God. Look around. Your lifestyle should be different than the lifestyle of those who are not of the same faith as you. Sometimes my sons will do something that will remind me of myself, and it, it kind of scares me, to be honest with you. 
Uh, and it's just like, I mean, like I'm, it, it worries me. Uh, but they are becoming little Jeffs, you know. And this weekend at our retreat, Jared Wilson, uh, he talked about, like, we're, we are called to be little Christ. We're roaming around here mirroring the image of Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. I mean, Jesus set the, the foundation. He gave us a, a picture of what it is supposed to look like. Are we going to follow that to a T? Of course not. There's no, like, no rational person believes that that's possible. But we can be set apart. We can be different. We can be holy. We can be righteous. The decisions that you make, if you set your mind on the mind and the righteousness of God, you prepare yourself, you are self-controlled in little things. And when the big things come your way, then guess what, friends? That's going to, like, you'll be prepared. 17, since you call on a father who judges each person impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope or in God. Growing up, my, my dad was not a, a perfect father. Uh, he, he, he was not great in a lot of areas, but one of the areas I really feel like he did an excellent job, and it was in discipline. We, he had four kids. I was the youngest, and he did not favor either any of our kids, any of his kids. I mean, we just, when one of us, I, I'm the youngest, so my mom favored me. She still does to this day, but my dad, like he like, he never, he never did. And, like, he, when, when one of us got in trouble, like, he would discipline us. And, like, listen, if I got in trouble with my mom or at school or at a friend's house, I mean, I guarantee you, I knew I, when I got home, I was getting a butt whooping. And I, I, it didn't matter if I was 15 or 5. Like, my dad was going to warm my behind. And I just knew it was coming. I did. And, and, and you know what? The same thing for my brother, my sisters. When we made a mistake, he did the same thing to all of us. No favoritism, no impartiality. He was mean to all of us, you know. <laughs> I'm glad that my pain is funny to you. Uh, well, Peter's saying that as our God is fair. He's a fair judge. He doesn't show impartiality with anyone. He's just. He doesn't show favorites. If you look in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 16, the instruction to appoint judges for the people of Israel was to find a judge that was fair. That didn't show any impartialities. One, a man that was honest and true. I'm not sure about you, but if I was being... Uh, charged with a crime, I would want a judge that was fair. We don't have to look very far in our history to find judges who weren't. 
But our God, friends, is. God has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins. And let me tell you something, it does not matter who you are. Prior to conversion, it does not matter what zip code you live in, what school you send your kids to, how much money is in your bank account, what your last name is, what, what nationality you are, what color your skin. I mean, it does nothing to that boy, girl. It does not matter, friends. God does not care who you are. What he cares about and what he judges is, do you have the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you washed by the blood? That's the, that's the only litmus test there is. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we're all judged by the same thing, friends. None of us have any chance of getting into heaven by our good works. It's only through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only hope we have. Peter has no concerns about God being fair. God is the most fair judge. I'm not sure about you, but I think that's a it's assuring. To know that no matter what, God is just. He will do the right thing. When it's our time to face judgment, God knows the truth. And if you have put your faith and trust in him, salvation is yours. And if you have not, eternal damnation is yours. Verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Do you remember the story of John the Baptist? Uh, John the Baptist lived kind of an odd life even for his contemporaries. He wore a robe made out of camel's hair, ate locusts and honey, he lived in the wilderness. The reason John did this was because he was a, a Nazarite. He made a, a vow to abstain from alcohol, to, to keep his hair long, not to, not to touch a, a dead body. I mean, he was literally, he was set apart. He lived a, a, a life that was different than anybody else. And even like, even for those people, like, that guy's kind of weird. You know, I mean, like you would, you would look at him and you think that guy is different. Well, Peter's saying this text as though, that is through our obedience to the word of God that we purify ourselves on this earth. We, we don't have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. We have to obey God's word. That's, 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 that's the responsibility that we have to open up this word and to have our lives transformed by its teaching. And he says, hey, you want, you want to be different? Do this. Love your neighbor. That's the instruction there. That seems kind of easy, right? Love your neighbor. Have your, have your life transformed by the, the word of God. 
But the instruction is the same. You're to love your neighbor. I, uh, I want, again, I want to just make this clear. Now, through the, our works, it's not, our, our, our righteousness is not based on our works. Uh, but we are called to action. We are justified at salvation, but until we leave this earth, we have a responsibility to be faithful and true to the Word of God. I, uh, he closes this chapter with quoting the prophet Isaiah, verse 24. All people are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Again, this, this, uh, this letter was written to a group of churches, not just one church in one town, but to a, a multitude of churches, written to a multitude of churches in, in multiple cities that were facing pers- heavy persecution for their faith. And he says to this, these churches, uh, you know, your faith... needs to endure. But he says here that all flesh is like grass and all of its glory like the flower of the grass and the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. You think about like in Missouri, like if you plant some flowers and you don't put water on them, put some grass seed out and you don't water that grass seed and if you don't water it the right way, What's going to happen? And this is Missouri. I mean, I mean, it's, can you imagine in the Middle East how easy it would be for the grass to wither and the flowers to, and I think some of us, we look at this and we might think that, that, that we're the grass and that, like, that Peter is saying here, we have this, like, hey, it's just this light momentary persecution that we're going through don't worry about it it's gonna it's just it's your faith is like the grass and the flowers it's gonna blow away and it's temporary but that's not what Peter's saying here at all he's saying that all life I think he's talking about the pagans that are persecuting them that are going through hardships listen they're they're listen this this life of theirs it's a warning to any of them that are willing to listen. This life of theirs is going to wither, but your life is eternal. Never going to fade, never going to tarnish. Remember what he said last week? And to an inheritance. Verse 4, that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's not what Peter's talking about here. Like a grass that withers and falls away, our salvation is eternal. Today is uh, the first Sunday of the NFL season. 
Many, uh, many of fans, you know, are so optimistic today, you know, and uh, they have, I mean, reason to hope, right? I mean, some, I mean, I, some teams, maybe if you're a Cardinals fan, maybe you don't have a whole lot of reason to hope today, but a lot of teams do, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, uh, I'm not trying to pick on anybody here today. But like I, 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 I like listening to Fox Sports, and I like listening to, to Nick Wright on Fox. He's a, but he's a huge, if you know, many of you know this, Nick Wright is a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. And he got a tattoo on his forearm that says, never a doubt. And his never a doubt is that the Chiefs were going to go 22-0 and this year. <laughs> they didn't make it to 1-0, and let alone 22-0. and and, and, like, you think about this, like, again, I'm not trying to pick on any, but, like, there are so many people that put their, I mean, like, they're, they're putting their faith in the wrong, I mean, they are, I mean, putting their faith in the wrong thing. I mean, like, there's, there's a, teams are going to disappoint you. Friends are going to disappoint you. Your family is going to disappoint you. And, and friends, let me tell you, I'm going to disappoint you. But God will never disappoint you. There are, the Lord that we worship is holy and righteous. He's, he's just. He's always going to do the right thing. He's never going to disappoint you. He's, he's never going to fail you. He's trustworthy. You can put your faith and trust in our God, and he will never disappoint. Never drop the ball. Never once fail you. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in him, I want to give you this opportunity to do that. An opportunity to say, I'm a sinner. I I, I need Jesus Christ. I, I want to confess my sins and put my hope and trust in Jesus. Admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's all it takes, friends. It's all it takes. An eternity that's unperishable, unfading, protected in heaven by our great God and King. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want to give you this opportunity. We're going to sing a song of invitation, and this is an opportunity for you to respond. And if you're here today and you've done that and you're like, man, I, I, I know that my eternity is secure, and I know, but man, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. This is an opportunity for you to Ask the Lord for help. His grace is sufficient. He will give you the grace that you need to get through this dark and difficult time of your life. This altar is here for you. You can come up and you can, you can pray. You can stay in your seats and you can pray there. I'm going to be back in the Welcome Center, and I would love to be able to, to pray for you if you're going through a tough time or hardship, or if you want to profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe you just have a question about White Park Baptist Church and I would love to be able to talk to you, love to be able to pray for you.
to be able to answer any questions that you might have. But friends, this is an opportunity for you to respond. We, we put it here at the end so that as the Lord has been speaking to you for the last hour or so, maybe you might actually do something about what he's saying to you. I pray that you will. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us to respond. And Lord, as you lead us, give us the grace that we need to take the next step of faith, to put our faith and trust in you. And Father, I, I pray that, Lord, that this time where we respond to you would be honoring and glorifying to your name. Lord Jesus, we love you, and I pray, Lord, that there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior, and Lord, I pray that they put their faith and trust in you. And I pray that for the believer that's here, Father, I pray that, that they would live a life that's set apart, that's holy, that's righteous. And if, Lord, if they're not, then I pray that this would be a time where they recognize that they are, they are not living according to your word, but according to this world. And give them the grace that they need to make the changes that is necessary to be holy, to be righteous, to be set apart. Lord, you, you died for our sins, and Lord, you died so that we wouldn't be living in those sins, but rather to be transformed by your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death on the cross and what it means for us today. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us now and give us the grace that is necessary to respond in a way to bring you honor and glory. And all God's people said, amen.